this week's edition for the Wise Up Podcast. This is your host, Azra Siddiqui. As a reminder, Wise Up is my platform to educate the South Asian and Muslim communities about national and Texas politics. You can follow us on all forms of social media, such as Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our handle is at WiseUpTX. Or you can check out our website, www.wiseuptx.com. Remember, everyone, get educated, get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. All right, folks, I want to give a reminder that Civics and Chai will be held September 30th, which is this Saturday in Plano, Texas at Parr Library, which is off of Windhaven and the Dallas Tollway. Um, it will be held from 2 to 4 p.m. We have a great, great um, agenda lined up for you guys to become more educated, to have the ability to wise up and learn about Texas and politics and local politics so that you can really start making a difference, really understanding how the government works so that you can make sure that your voices are heard. So I really hope to see you all there this Saturday, September 30th at, from 2 to 4 p.m. at Par Library in Plano, Texas. Please know that this is a free event and there will be free chai, which is going to be catered from Chameli. So big shout out to Chameli for helping um, us out and supporting Wise Up and Radio Azad. Um, some of our speakers will include me, um, also Dr. Shahid Shafi, um, who is the city councilman from Southlake. He will be talking about city politics. And we will also be having Tariq Tofik, who is the communications director for the Texas Democratic Party. So I really hope you guys will be there, and I will see you all on Saturday. Moving on, I want to get to this week's segment. It's very exciting. We just wrapped up the Texas Tribune Festival, which is happens in Austin once a year around in September. And you get to see a bunch of panelists and speakers um, regarding politics, uh, policy, uh, either dealing in Texas politics policy or national politics and policy. So it was a great, great festival. Um, I got to see very... Um, really great, exciting speakers, um, such as Senator Al Franken from Minnesota, Senators uh, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, uh, the Texas Speaker of the House, Joe Strauss. Uh, really got to see a lot of media panels um, talking about how they're dealing with covering Donald Trump and this presidency and how it's abnormal and all the things that they're trying to do to gain um, the public's trust again. So it was really awesome, but the most exciting part for me was uh, snagging an interview with Congressman Beto O'Rourke, and you may have heard of him. He is running for the U.S. Senate seat for Texas against Senator Ted Cruz, and I think he had some really, really great words to say um, about his campaign and why he's running and why he thinks um, he is a better candidate and would be a better senator for Texas uh, than Senator Ted Cruz. So I hope you all are ready to listen to this really awesome interview. And here we go. So joining us today is Congressman Beto O'Rourke. And he is running for Senate in 2018 against Senator Ted Cruz. First of all, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Very happy to do this. Thanks for having me on. So I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. You're running um, for Senate against Ted Cruz and for the 2018 election. And um, you're running a grassroots campaign, which is pretty different. Um, so you're not accepting any funds from the super PACs. And I wanted to ask you, what led you to this decision to go about campaigning this way? Yeah. First of all, I think that 
part of the reason that we are so frustrated by Congress right now, and it is such a dysfunctional place, and it's unable to do even the basic minimums that we should expect out of it, like passing a budget or funding the government, much less doing the really big things that are before us, like passing comprehensive immigration reform or uh -huh. universal health care, is because it has been so corroded and captured by money that's connected to special interests that have business before the Congress and the committees of jurisdiction. And so for that reason, uh, I long ago as a member of Congress decided not to accept political action committee money. And when okay. we made the decision to run this race for Senate, to do it solely with the help and contributions of the people in this country and in this state whom we want to represent. So, so people, not corporations. Okay. Um, Texans, not PACs. And that has proven to be not just, I think, the best way to do this and the way that I feel good about what we're doing, but it, it's been very successful. Uh, we've, we've received uh, millions of dollars in contributions from uh -huh. tens of thousands of Texans in small dollar amounts, all of whom are invested in the future of this state in right. this campaign. And, uh, and it's more than our opponent has raised in the same period of time. So it, it shows you that this is effective, that it can work. Oh, wow, interesting. Yeah. That's awesome that you are really wanting to take the voice of Texans into account and not just corporations. That's right, yeah. So um, I saw on your flyer that you have promised if you are elected a senator that you'll be holding town hall meetings once a month. Am I correct? Correct, yes. And I see that this is a way to try and seem more approachable to the people. And so I wanted to ask you, do you think the approachability between the people and politicians has been lost? Unless you're holding monthly town hall meetings at a minimum, which is what I'm doing in, in El Paso, the community I represent now in Congress, you're, you're, you're unable to understand what your constituents want and what they expect from you and what they think of the job that you're doing. And so I'll, those people kind of lose touch if they're not yeah. really speaking to their constituents, That's right? right? I want to be held accountable. I want to be as responsive as possible. And the only way to do that is to be with my constituents live in person and not scripted or filtered uh, or... In, in any way um, other than the most direct, honest connection that we can make. And so it's both the way that I serve, it's the way that I want to serve if elected to the Senate, and it's the way that we're campaigning. I mean, we're talking with you now right. after having finished our Wendy's hamburger uh, before we go on to <laughs> the next thing. Which smells delicious, by yeah, the way. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I should have offered you some before, oh, before no. we finished. But, um, but you know, that's, that's, that's the way that we get our country back and our democracy back, and that's the way we ensure that everyone's interests, everyone's interests, are reflected in the decisions that we make and, okay. uh, and the path that this, take, this country takes going forward. And I'm going to kind of follow up with what Evan Smith had asked you earlier on the panel is that you want to set term limits, right? And a two-term limit in the Senate, am I correct? Right, that would be a total of 12 years if we were elected and then re-elected. And what, what is your reasoning for that? I believe in you and other people in Texas knowing that someone's going to be able to do just as good if not uh, more likely a better job than I've been able to do. And they're gonna bring their own background and set of experiences and skills to bear on the problems and opportunities of this country. And if I stay there forever, which as a member of, of the Senate, you're able to do the re-election right. rates like 93%, then I'm in the way of other people, other talents, other perspectives, and we desperately need that in this country. It was not set up for people to serve for life, and that's what you have going on now. So uh, I think 12 years is plenty of time to do a great job uh, and then to get out of the way and allow somebody else to 
um, succeed us and, and do what we hope is Provide more even better. fresh perspectives. Right. Yeah. All right, sounds good. All right, so another question is, um, you know, a lot of Democrats have been stating that health care is a right. Right. And it seems that you are, I saw um, Senator Sanders filed a bill for single-payer single, single health care, and it seems like you're a huge advocate of it. Am I correct? Yeah. Yes. So my question to you is, is how do you find single-payer health care to be economically feasible as a country? Like, you see a lot of this... Um, government health care in Canada or these European countries, but the population is much smaller, whereas, you know, we have a much larger population. Right. How do you find that it would be economically feasible to implement this type of legislation? It, it would be harder to design a um, less efficient, less effective health care system than, than the one that we have today in the United States, where you have insurance companies who have overhead costs uh, 15, 16, 17 percent as they pay their advertising budget, their shareholders, uh, and the salaries of these corporate CEOs. You have a program like Medicare that has an overhead administrative expense of about 2 percent. It's an incredibly effective, um, efficient way to deliver health care. When folks are not insured, mm -hmm. um, they, they still have to be cared for. It's just that they wait until they're the in last crisis. Minute. Uh, when it's much harder to, to make them well, when it's much more expensive to take care of them. We talked earlier about just one person, untreated schizophrenic, visiting one hospital in San Antonio 40 times over the course of one month, costing taxpayers there $90,000. It would be right. so much cheaper if he were able to see a primary care provider, get the medications that he needs. We'd spend far less than $90,000 a month. So most economists agree that if you, if you had universal health care in this country, each of us as Americans would be spending a total of, of fewer dollars on purchasing health care. We would have better outcomes. Okay. Uh, I'd argue we would improve uh, life Exponentially. Yeah, and, and, and we would diminish suffering uh, in this country. And I think that that's a, a great goal and achievable goal for, for us to pursue. And I think this election should in part be decided on whether we think each of us is deserving of the ability to see a doctor, the, the, the ability right. to live. Uh, if, if, if we believe in life, let's believe in everyone's life. All right. So my last, not my final question, but my last policy question is about education, which is huge for South Asians. It's primarily why immigrants come here. Um, for South Asians, education is really big. Um, that's why our parents immigrated here. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is your thoughts on like charter schools, vouchers, public education, which one do you support and why? Yeah, um, so I think the way you asked the, the question um, says so much. Um, a, a quality public education is uh, the best way to ensure that everyone has a chance to do well in whatever they're going to do in life. And you can measure it economically in what they earn, uh, the taxes that they pay, um, the potential that they reach, uh, the art that they create, um, their fellow family members that they that they take care of. And so if there's true parity in, in educational opportunity, everyone has a chance to go to a great school. And that can be a traditional public school, uh -huh. it can be a non-traditional charter school. Um, but but the, the importance is that, that they have uh, a great class, a great classroom with an excellent teacher, in in a positive learning environment. Um, that, that's that's critical. And that as they as they finish their senior year in high school, whatever it is that they want to pursue, that there is the help to ensure that they can go to college, right. get an associate's degree, or get that certification, or begin that apprenticeship uh -huh. that is going to allow them again to live to their full potential. That is an incredibly 
uh, essential and very appropriate role for government. Uh, it's something that I believe in, and it's something I know that if, as Americans, we do a better job of investing in. Right. Uh, we're going to see much stronger returns in what people are able to do over the, over the course of their lives. So, okay. Uh, yeah, very so important. So public issue. education is primary thing. Critical. Yeah. Critical. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, last but not least, for South Asians, Islamophobia has been a huge topic for us. Um, you know, we saw when Senator Cruz was running, he had, like, the policing of Muslim neighborhoods. Yeah. You saw the Muslim ban with President Trump as executive order. You know, there is that kind of toggle that you have to do between, you know, protecting rights and making sure minorities aren't discriminated against, but then there's also national security. Right. As Senator, how do you intend to, you know, balance those things? You may have heard me say earlier, but, but El Paso, Texas is one of the safest, if not the safest cities in America, and that is totally connected to the fact that it is a city of immigrants. And when people are treated with respect and dignity, when they know that local law enforcement is there to help prevent a crime or to help solve a crime, then they are all contributing to the safety and success of those communities. When we pass things like SB4, mm -hmm. the Show Me Your Papers right. uh, Act that came out of the, the state legislature, when you have somebody like Senator Cruz propose local police patrols of Muslim American neighborhoods, you diminish, not increase, the safety and security of, of those communities. So uh, safety is, is, is um, dependent on respect. Uh, security is, right? is dependent on dignity. And, and until you have that, uh, you're not going to have the, the true public safety that, that we deserve. And I think we need somebody who's going to champion the success of all of our communities and everybody within our communities and connect that to the broader success of the state and the country. We live that in El Paso, Texas. We live that in, in Texas. Um, let's let's proudly take that forward nationally and let's be the leaders uh, on moving forward with comprehensive immigration reform, with respecting and celebrating all the communities within our communities um, and, and living in the best traditions of the United States of America, the most inspiring country the world has ever known. So inspiring oh, that yeah, people make the choice to be here and to raise their families here. And I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. It is truly wonderful. And so I'm going to end with my last question. Please tell my listeners why it's so important to get out and vote in 2018. I know that we know 2020 is a big presidential election, but this is a midterm election. Why is it so pivotal for all of us to get out and vote? If, if you care about the, the fact that we have a president today who wants to build a 2,000-mile wall to, to separate and potentially cut us off from our closest neighbor and ally in Mexico, if you're concerned that he proposed stopping the ability of any Muslim from anywhere in the world from coming into the United States, if it concerns you that he's called the press the enemy of the people, or that he's doubled down on the wars that we're fighting all over the world and is threatening to start new ones, whether in North Korea or in Venezuela, you cannot wait until 2020. That's, that's more than three years away from now. Right. You, you've got to decide that you're going to cut the time in half, that we're going to win this election in 2018, restore some balance and order and sanity in our government, stop the bad things from happening contribute to the good things taking place and the only way to do that is to vote and, and you've got to decide that you're going to vote in 2018 if you're not registered get registered and if you're registered make a commitment that you're going to be at the polls November of 2018 everything that you care about depends on your willingness to do that I totally agree with you and I hope my listeners will take heed to that thank you so much for thank joining you, us today yeah, I really appreciate it thank yeah. you all right folks I hope you all enjoyed that interview with congressman Beto O'Rourke. 
Um, you may be seeing on social media that he has been hosting a lot of fundraisers and events, and if you really want to get to know more about him, I highly suggest you all attend one of those events um, to really understand what his platform is about, um, see how personable he is, and maybe he's someone you would be willing to support in 2018. Um, as regards to the other um, panels from this Texas Tribune Festival, um, I won't be able to share them here, but please check out my blog. And the web, it's on the website, www.wiseuptx.com. Um, you can find out more about my thoughts um, on the other panels, which were exceptionally interesting as well. Last but not least, I want to give you a reminder about Civics and Chai, which is this Saturday from 2 to 4 p.m. at Par Library in Plano, Texas, off of Windhaven Parkway and Dallas Tollway. I hope to see you all there. I promise you'll be exceptionally fun and educational at the same time. Uh, please bring your you know, high school students as well. It's never too early to start getting them civically engaged. So I hope to see you all there on Saturday. All right, everyone. Take care, and remember, let's get educated, let's get wiser, and let's start giving a hoot. Until next time.